Welcome back to the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by Dr. Jessica Bachman to discuss successful, sustainable nutritional strategies. Dr. Bachman is a registered dietitian and educator whose mission is to make nutrition simple, easy, and exciting. Dr. Bachman works for Stronger You, a company that uses an evidence-based approach to help members ditch restrictive dieting, overcome past challenges, and develop healthy, lifelong habits. We discuss common reasons why diets fail, the best way to track progress, and how to optimize your environment for nutritional success. Dr. Bachman taught me nutrition at the University of Scranton back in 2017 and played a big role in the start of my health and fitness journey. If you want to look better, eat better, and feel better doing it, this episode is for you. Enjoy this one with Dr. Jessica Bachman. Welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Bachman. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to finally have you on. I started this podcast almost a year ago. And when I was brainstorming the idea of it, my first thing was to write down who I might be able to get on the show. And you were one of the first people that I was like, oh, I got to have Dr. Bachman on. So I'm so excited to be here with you today. You're so sweet. And before we even get started, I have to mention that you are one of my most favorite students ever. You can't like pick a favorite student, like you can't pick a favorite kid, but I love teaching you. I love your drive. I love seeing you do these big things now because you have something to add to the world. And it's so cool seeing you do it in this way. So happy. Thank you so much. Thank you. That means a lot to me. And actually on my first episode of the podcast where I kind of talked about just introducing what the podcast is going to be about and what made me do it. Um, I actually talked a little bit about going on live TV with WNEP and how the experience of, you know, you asking me to do that and me jumping into it, that that's really where I found this passion that I have for speaking. Um, Cause that was the first time I did it on a large scale. And so I have to say that that was what, like five years ago now. And that had a huge impact on my decision to do this. So thanks. Well, amazing. The small things you do and the impacts they can have. Like, that's so cool to hear. Thank you. 100%. Um, but yeah, before we dive into our topic today, I would love if you could just kind of introduce yourself and um, talk about what you do. Yeah. So my name is Dr. Jessica Bachman. So my background is I have my PhD in nutrition with a concentration in exercise science, and I am a registered dietitian. Um, so after graduating with my PhD and my training is in behavioral weight loss research, I was trained under a behavioral psychologist. And so I got a lot of nutrition background, a lot of behavior change background. Um, I went right into teaching at the university level, doing research, really enjoyed doing that. I love working with students, love teaching. I mean, research allows you to be creative and that was fun too, but really writing was not my favorite thing to do. I like giving presentations. I like connecting with students, but um, as I went on in my career, I just realized that really probably wasn't the place I was going to end up forever. Um, I was introduced to the company I work for now, Stronger You, when a former student of mine was asked to coach for them. And Stronger You is an online nutrition coaching company, which is likely something everyone has heard of now. But six years ago, when I was introduced to them, I was like, what is that? Like, who's doing these things online? Like, that was unheard of in my space. I had no idea that was even an opportunity available. But this student chatted with me. She said, hey, here's the opportunity. Here's this company. I read all about them and it sounded like this really cool way to be more available to help people change their lives in a way that traditionally dietitians in an office seeing someone once per month really weren't able to reach people. And so I encourage her to give it a shot. And then we had a bunch of friends that started working with her as a coach with Stronger You and they started feeling better, feeling more confident, talking about how they had control. Everyone's talking about macros, which I knew what that was. Obviously I taught it in class, but the way they were applying it was so unique and different. And then another thing about me is that I am a mom. I've got two young kids. And so at that time, you know, I had had my two young kids. I was working out across it all the time, but just wasn't feeling my best feeling kind of run down. And so I was like, you know what, let me give it a shot. Like working with her as a coach, I fell in love uh, with how I felt having someone coach me, keeping me accountable tracking my food in a way I haven't thought about food before. And so after two weeks of doing that, I asked uh, Mike, who's the founder of Stronger You, to let me coach on the side while I was still a university professor. 
the company kind of exploded. I was coach number 17 with Stronger You. We had 50 coaches by the end of that first year, all growth by word of mouth because people just were having a similar experience to me, loving how they were feeling. And so as I was kind of debating my career, you know, I, I love, again, I love the students, love the teaching part of it, but knew I was really looking for something else. I wrote a job description. I said, hey, Mike, you need someone to hire, train your coaches, create education materials for members and wrote my job description, submitted it to him. And I've been doing this now full time. My role as director of nutrition education with Stronger You for the past uh, five years now. So that's, uh, I guess, maybe a little bit longer background, but really kind of describes uh, things I'm passionate about, what I love about my career now, and kind of how that's evolved over time. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that. And it's so cool to hear about how, like you said, you know, you got your PhD and you went into perhaps somewhat of a traditional route, you know, going into academia. And I think that it's admirable that you decided to make that switch into something that, like you said, you didn't really know a whole lot about because a lot of us, and, you know, I don't necessarily know this firsthand yet because of just getting out of school, but I know a lot of people kind of get to the point where they feel stuck in their careers and they're nervous to try something new. And they may say, oh, well, it's my age or it's my kids, but um, you went and you chased that. And I mean, I've been so grateful to be able to follow your journey a little bit over the last few years and just seeing how excited you are to do what you do and um, the growth of Stronger You, that you've been a big part of that. And from a personal standpoint, I heard about Stronger You um, pre-COVID, probably like three or four years ago through you, um, started listening to the podcast. And like you said, just loved the approach that you as a company that you guys take um, to talking about nutrition, teaching about nutrition. And I agree. I thought it was interesting that it was this online type of platform. And one of the positives that I think has come out of the pandemic um, is this appreciation for how much can be done in a virtual space. And in the human performance space myself, as a coach, as a physical therapist, that's definitely something that I hope to lean into in the future as well. Um, And I love how you just, you talked about how it's just so much easier to reach people. You know, you can have an impact on such a large scale. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what that's like? Like, how do you feel like it's changed your life being able to impact the lives of so many people through this medium? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is the purpose of life, right. To, to be of service to others and you get the impact and you get to feel that impact on a regular basis when you're working directly with members. Now um, I'm not doing this much anymore. You know, I don't have any, I'm not coaching any individuals, you know, I'm, I'm managing the coaches who coach the coaches who coach the, the members, you know, so there's been layers added. We've grown, we've, ex, you know, expanded, but still being involved, you know, we've got a really involved community on Facebook, you know, the number of people, the number of lives that have changed. And it's not because we're teaching them to follow strict rules and their on or off program. We're really just helping them lead healthier lives in a really flexible way. And it's incredible. Yeah. It's really why, why I do this. Um, so again, even with like life getting busy, I still find time to go into our Facebook group, which is where we have 25,000 people have been members, but someone's a member, they're in there forever. And just hearing about them being able to play with their grandkids or them getting off a certain medication, like that's like, okay, remind me why I do this. Like I'm even busy days, lots of meetings. It's all to filter down to help these people live better lives. And so the impact is really the reason I stay and the reason I love this. And I'm still just as passionate about this company as I was when I started six years ago because of the impact we make on human lives. So. Yeah, that's amazing. And a couple of buzzwords that stick out to me, which is exactly what we're going to talk about today, um, is that you are, as a company, you're empowering your clients and giving people the tools that they need to understand how to navigate nutrition in a sustainable, flexible way. And that is something that, I mean, I hope to continue to educate myself on so that I can guide my patients in the, in the same way, not as specifically, of course, it's not within my scope of practice to write meal plans, but just helping people understand that nutrition is meant to be sustainable and flexible and not this rigid diet. So with that being said, um, I'd like to first kind of discuss how like diet adherence in general is a problem that I've seen a lot of people run into, and I think it's why so many people have trouble dieting. So I'd like to just ask you, why do you think so many people have a hard time sticking to their diet when they start one? Yeah, so many things come to mind when you talk about that. First is just the use of the term diet in general. And so, I mean, I think what you're getting at is people eating in a way to either lose weight or maintain their weight, right? It's typically what people talk when they talk about diet. To me, diet is a broader term, which is all the things you're eating, right? And, And having an approach that 
supports whatever your goals are. Um, some of the things we see a lot of people that come to Stronger You after having failed, and I put in quotes failed because what is failure? You're learning something from every attempt you make. You know, you can be successful for a short period of time to lose weight and you figure out what things worked well for you, what things didn't work well for you. For most people, I see the biggest challenge that they set very black and white rules for themselves where they have to eat in a specific way. They follow one methodology and they're like, I'm going to eat according to keto. I'm going to do intermittent fasting. I'm doing this one single approach. And my success depends on my ability to follow that one specific approach and do that successfully every single day forever consistently, right? And the reality is that eating in a day, a way that follows a keto type plan, following some intermittent fasting, there are tools and reasons that some of those things work. And you can pull from each of those different things and figure out what's going to specifically work for you using the basics of nutrition science. And so people make things so complex without understanding why or why not a specific way of eating or approach or eliminating certain foods, why those things do or do not work for them. And they make it much more challenging with these rules that they may not be able to follow when in reality, they understood what they're actually trying to achieve and then developed a program that's going to work best for them and develop the habits that will help them actually move towards their goals. It's really quite easy. And so what we've been able to do is somehow find a way to sell basic nutrition science without all the BS and be accepting of all the other opportunities that are out there and available for people. Like we do have members that eat on an eating schedule. They maybe only eat between 12 and eight because for them, they're just not hungry in the morning. That's great. And they find that maybe at night before going to bed, that's the time where they're picking at food a lot, whether they're hungry or not. And so for them setting a schedule of 12 to eight, which is what people call intermittent fasting is a really helpful tool for them to stick to their plan because they're not having the opportunity to overeat at night or maybe keto, like maybe because they're removing carbohydrates from their diet, they're no longer keeping things like cookies, uh, breads in their house anymore. And so it's been a really helpful tool for them, but then understanding why that's working. It's not the specific intermittent fasting. It's not the specific keto diet. It's the tools and the way you're changing your behaviors. You can take those pieces of that and then apply it in a way that is more flexible for you. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. And one thing that I think is so admirable about that approach is that as a company and as coaches, you are understanding that clients are going to have different biases or different things that they enjoy. Um, and just that a lot of these different diets in quotes, like will work. And I think that one of the biggest problems, not just in nutrition, but in the fitness industry at large is that a lot of trainers and coaches become obsessed with a certain plan and aren't even willing to hear people out who do something else. And one thing that I've learned, and I'm very grateful that I've learned this at such a young point in my career, but being open-minded is crucial to connecting with people and to success. Um, so the fact that you guys are understanding of that and being able to meet people where they're at, like that's really, really powerful. Oh my gosh. That's so important. I'm glad you've heard that too, because you do, you learn things from textbooks, you learn things early in your career. And then what you realize is that every person is an individual, right? So no matter what technique or whatever plan you have, that's why we really don't have a set plan. We make people follow because it's really, we want our coaches are responsive to what they're hearing. We want you to hear from someone. Like if someone really feels like they need to eat a higher carbohydrate, lower protein diet, let's try that out. Let's have a conversation about why you feel that way. Let's do that for a little bit. Let's see how that feels for you. Let's get some feedback, see how your body responds. If it works for you, cool. Like personally, I think you should probably do more protein. It might help with your muscle mass. You know, there's, there's reasons behind that, but that person's individual experience is more important than anything else I see in a textbook, anything else I see as far as results, like how they feel they are doing. As long as they're happy with how things are progressing, that is gold, right? That, those conversations about what's going well, trying things out, being open to that. We'll never say no. We'll just ask questions and then guide you in the right direction. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's a crucial skill to have as somebody who's helping to facilitate behavior change. And that's something I've also learned in the physical therapy space where, you know, on my clinical rotations, being a student PT, we are so excited to educate. It's like, I want to teach you everything I know in school. And it's really easy to overwhelm somebody on day one or day two, if you're like, all right, here's what you got to do. And here's the best exercise. And here's what you shouldn't do. And it's like, oh my God. Okay. So understanding that maybe you introduce an idea, maybe you ask a question 
And then on visit four or five, it's like, Hey, what do you think about incorporating those walks now? You know, like having patience. And that's something I'm preaching to myself here too, because I'm not a very patient person. Um, but I think it's such an important attribute as a coach to be able to like walk along that journey with them and not just throw everything, you know, right in the beginning. Yeah. It's such a balance because people, you know, when they're signing up for a program like PT, I think there's probably similarities and a little bit of a difference too, right? PT people are a lot coming because there's an injury, right? They're trying to improve something. A lot of time with us, people are coming in because they want to change their body weight, right? Or their, their composition. And it's, they want short-term quick results because they want to feel like what they're paying for. It's not inexpensive, right? There is, I think very worth the value, but there's a cost associated with you. They want to see results and we want to give results. We also want to preach long-term behavior change because anyone can lose weight, right? We can get you that. And so it's a balance between making recommendations that are going to be a little bit different than a long-term result, but also teaching skills that you can apply to long-term. So you're not coming back a year from now and having to pay again to lose that same weight again, right? So uh, that balance is tough, but you get good at it over time. You get better at it. And I do think that introducing small goals and setting those goals and setting that focus with someone because even if I think the most important thing for you to work on is increasing your protein, but you think that you're feeling like introducing water is something you really want to focus on first, what's going to go over better? What the member thinks that they want to do. And so allowing them to be a part of that prioritization, keep your notes on the things you do want to work on over time and make sure you address those over time, but working with them to set priorities and working on their priorities first is a great way to get buy-in to help them see results, feel better and trust you to make sure the program works for them long-term. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love that you mentioned that breaking goals down into smaller goals, smaller wins. And, you know, when it comes to nutrition, like you mentioned in the beginning, the majority of people who seek out a coach are looking for some kind of weight loss goal. They probably have a number in mind of a certain amount of pounds that they want to lose, or maybe there's a performance goal where they want to, you know, run a race or lift a certain amount of weight. Um, can you kind of talk through the process of like, how do you go about breaking a large goal, like a 20 pound weight loss goal into those smaller steps to kind of keep somebody on board? Yeah, it's a really good, uh, question and it varies by the person, right? So it's definitely going to be at the individual level, what they respond best to. We really shy away from specific weight goals or weight loss goals. I mean, that's just, that's very much dieting culture, you know, and, and weight loss, right. Can be, no one wants to just weigh less on the scale. They want to lose body fat. That's a slow process, right? We can lose water weight really fast. You can diet down really, really low and drop a bunch of weight, but you're not going to keep it off if you're doing things that you can't sustain long-term. And so we do first have a conversation about weight loss goals. Like, you know, you keep that number in mind, but we don't want to focus specifically on that. What we really do is focus on setting some daily things to achieve that will help you move towards those goals. And so focusing on specifically how much food to eat per day, they'll help you move towards those goals. And then from there going behind, okay, how can I actually achieve those eating goals? What are some habits I need to build? What are things I need to do at my house to make available? What are ways I need to plan ahead to hit those goals? And so we then look at habits that allow someone to set those goals for themselves and focus more on the day-to-day and the process versus the actual end outcome, right? That outcome will eventually get there. If you have the habits in place, you'll get to the goals you want to hit and you'll sustain them long-term if you focus on the process and building the habits. Yeah, definitely. That's very powerful. And I think that it's great that you guys tried to break it down into, you know, daily habits. Um, And something that I have used in the past from Stronger You is the habit tracker, that free PDF that was available online. Um, I went through a season of life where I used to fill it out at the start of each month and I would, you know, write down the things that I tried to do on a daily basis. And that included for me, things like gratitude, meditation, taking a walk, like not necessarily nutrition related, but I was able to see that a lot of these other lifestyle factors, mental health factors definitely have an, um, an impact on the nutritional decisions that I made as well. Oh yeah. All of those things. I just wrote a post in our Facebook group today. Um, I'm returning from, I went to a yoga and meditation retreat this weekend and it makes you reflect on a lot of things, right. And a lot of it was focused on just calming down and being present. And that's, uh, you know, something I'm really focusing on right now and the impact that that has on eating, you know, so meditating, if you're just more present in your life, right. What does that look like? That looks like not just getting stressed and grabbing the closest snack and eating it, whether you're hungry or not. 
It looks like, you know, not just rushing through a meal and just not even determining if you're actually even hungry for that meal or you're not satisfied afterwards because you're so rushed and you're not thinking. So getting present and doing these other things, sleeping well, meditating, being aware of what you're eating and putting into your body that all goes along with reaching nutrition goals too. And so all of those things relate to each other. Yeah, definitely. And what, one thing that you kind of alluded to that I wanted to talk about um, is the idea of setting up an optimal food environment. This is something that I've heard you and other stronger you coaches speak about just the fact that like our environment, and this includes not just our physical environment, but also our mental and our social environment, all of these things are going to influence our decisions and our behaviors. So I'd love if you can talk a little bit about some strategies, like if you could first discuss what is meant by the term food environment and how do you utilize that to help people make better nutritional choices? Yeah, we live in such a challenging environment at a global level, at a local level, you know, everything outside of your home is basically set up in a way that encourages you to make choices that are likely against healthy eating, right? It's really challenging to go to a restaurant. You can do it, right? But most of the restaurant menu is pulling you towards choices that are probably not going to support your goals. You drive down the road, there's 500 easy stops you can make to pick something that's higher in fat, higher in sodium, again, probably pulling you away from your goals. The only space that you really have control over is your home. And so to recognize that like that is some area where you do have that control, you can make better choices outside, but to make your home food environment as supportive and easy to stick to your goals as possible is one of the biggest tools you can really focus on. And so what does that mean? Does that mean you can never eat cookies or ice cream? No, but maybe don't keep those things at home. You have easy access five minutes down the road to run out and grab those things. And so you can have them, but you don't necessarily need to have them available at the moment's notice. You feel like you might want to have something like that. And so doing things like taking a scan of your house, you know, what things are supportive of the goals you have right now, if those goals are Putting on muscle mass, you know, do I have easy access to high protein options that are going to fit those goals? Do I have Greek yogurt available at home? Do I cook? So do I prep some grilled chicken breasts in advance so that if I am hungry and I want to have an extra snack, I can have that and have that available for me? Do I not only pr- purchase fruits and vegetables, but I have them prepped and chopped and easy and ready to eat? Because if I am hungry for a snack, let's say it's, you know, the middle of the day and you're like, oh, it's that time. I don't have anything ready to go. It is so much easier to grab the cookies or the crackers if you have to wash the strawberries, chop them up, get them ready to go. And so it's to the level of even having things prepped and ready and easy that allows you to make choices. And so you're really helping yourself not have to make hard decisions. You're making it easy to make the best decision for you, whatever that is for you by changing your home food environment. So workplaces, you know, if you are still going to work, you can't control the work break room. Like that is a challenge. You can't control the restaurant. You can't control your mom's house, when you go over to eat there, you know, whatever it is for you, that can be a challenge, but your own house, you can have that control. Some of the pushback we get is like, well, I have other people that live in my house. Well, okay. But then figure out still small things, even like putting the thing that's tempting to you at the back of a cabinet. So you're not visually seeing it when you want to snack, those things can also have an impact or having someone, you know, asking someone if it's your husband or significant other, like, you know, do you mind if you keep your snacks in one special cabinet that's for you? And I know I just don't go into that cabinet. And so again, you have the ability to kind of change and make easy to support your goals at your house. And so I encourage people to take full control of that opportunity. That's great. All great advice. And the phrase that's kind of coming to mind is like work smarter, not harder. And one of the books that I've read, I'm actually still in the process of reading it, but Atomic Habits talks a lot about this idea of environment, right? And I think that a lot of us, when we're on a nutritional journey, it's easy to beat ourselves up over those poor choices that happen on occasion. You know, like when we reach for the package snack instead of the strawberries, it's like, then we feel guilty after, but understanding that like our brain naturally is gravitating towards these things. And also, like you mentioned, when we go out of our house and we see a McDonald's billboard with a Big Mac for like $3.99, like your eyes are going to see that and your brain is going to want that. And it's not your fault, but setting yourself up for success in that environment that we can control, like your home, um, I think is so powerful. And then perhaps that helps people feel empowered. Like if I know that when I'm at home, which is the majority of the time, my decisions are good, 
when I do go to visit my grandma or I do go out with my friends, I'm going to be less like hard on myself over the decisions that I make because I know that I'm being consistent most of the time. You know, is that something that you encounter? Yeah, it's all about flexibility, right? And it's never what you do on one day or one meal. It's what you're doing overall. You know, if most of the time you're making the best choice available to you, you're going to be doing great, right? And yeah, I mean, and, and there, we want you to be flexible too. You shouldn't, you shouldn't not eat your grandma's special cookies. You should have those. But if you're making good choices at home, you have the flexibility to do that and not have an impact on your goals whatsoever. And so, yeah, make the best choices when you can really support your home environment to be a place where you can make those choices. Then you have the flexibility to have more fun with your food, other places and not have an impact on your health. Yeah, definitely. And I like how you also mentioned, you know, I think the one barrier that a lot of people face is the other people in their home, you know, maybe they have kids at home, maybe they have a significant other who isn't necessarily on the same journey. But I imagine that simply taking the steps to have that discussion with your partner about like, here's what I'm going to do. Here are the things that I want to prioritize. And they don't necessarily need to be forced to do the diet with you, but being transparent about what kind of support you need and how to best lay this out. And um, I'm sure having kids is also difficult. I mean, have you experienced that firsthand as a mom? Like, how do you navigate sticking to your goals, sticking to the foods that fuel you when we know that a lot of children's foods aren't necessarily um, going to be the best choices for us? How have you dealt with that? There is, um, I mean, I could do hours talking about being a parent and healthy eating, what that might look like. So let me think about how to Approach a response that I would say that in general, the best thing you can do for your kids is to be a good role model, right? And that means role modeling, yes, healthy eating, but also a flexible approach. It doesn't mean rigid sticking to the exact perfect plan all the time. Your kids should see you eat cake and enjoy foods with them that they enjoy as well. But they should also see you, you know, being mindful about the meals you're putting together. They should see you and getting them involved. And so I have my kids do some meal planning with me because if I ask them, you know, do you want to have roasted carrots or grill or steamed green beans with dinner tonight? And they're the ones that make that choice. They're much more willing to actually want to eat those vegetables with me too. And so again, when, when you go to restaurants and the types of things are available to kids, like my kids, I let them eat chicken fingers and, and, and fries. They can have that all they want. Like that is fine at restaurants. We don't go out to eat that often. So at home, even for them too, like, yeah, I do have some typical like kids type foods, but I also want the environment to support them to make the healthiest choices. Like if I only have, or if I have a ton of cookies and crackers and things like that available, of course they're going to choose them. They're, they're delicious. They don't have the desire to choose healthy eating as much as maybe I do because of the knowledge that I have. But if I show them by role modeling what I'm doing, I'm not forcing them. They do naturally make those choices too. And so kids are a little bit easier to influence because they do see you as a role model. You know, I think a significant other, depending on, you know, who your partner is and what their journey is, that can be a little bit more of a challenge. But yeah, having that conversation is so important and realizing that they might have to be on their own journey that is different than yours. That's okay. But making sure they're supportive of you and not making your journey more challenging is also really important too. And they should be on board with that. Yeah, definitely. That's great advice. And I like that you mentioned that too, that like, especially with a partner, your goals don't necessarily have to be synonymous, but you can still kind of help each other with that. And I do think it's definitely helpful when you and your partner both have a goal of some sort. Um, You know, I mean, like if I approach my boyfriend and say, Hey, I'm looking to, you know, gain some muscle and work a little harder in the gym. So I'm going to be tracking my protein. Maybe that'll motivate him and he'll get on board. Um, But I can speak from, from personal experience too, with meal prepping, like we can still cook together. We might still cook the same, you know, ground beef or chicken thighs or whatever together, but the way that we split those meals up or the way that we decide to actually like prepare the food with vegetables and so on, um, can be different, but it's still something that you can do together and that can be supportive of both of your goals. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, reminds me of kids to a common question we get to with like parents is I, I don't want to cook different meals for me and my children. Like if I'm on like my weight loss journey, that's their focus right now. And, and you don't. And so there are, like you said, they're very easy switch out. So things that right now, weight loss is not my goal. I'm, I'm in no weight maintenance phase right now. I'm really focused. on just feeling my best and, uh, eating well. And, and, and that's really what I'm doing. But when I was focused on fat loss as a goal, you know, I would just do things like on taco night, 
rather than having taco shells and rice and beans, I would make a taco salad. There's small switch outs you can do where you can still do things that absolutely support your goals. You can still eat with your family. You're not cooking a bunch of different meals and making small switch swaps that support everyone in the family can be an easy thing to work towards too. We really help members do that because we don't want you eating separate meals in your kids. That's not necessary. And that's really probably not a great thing for them to see either. They should see mom eating with them. And you can talk to them about why you're choosing these foods right now. Like, Hey, this is what's making me feel healthier right now. I want to get more vegetables in let's put a little salad on your plate too. But yeah, you can also have your taco shells. There's ways to have conversations that are very positive for everyone. Yeah, definitely. And for anybody listening who is interested in adapting some of these habits, I would highly recommend getting a coach, working with somebody like the coaches in Stronger You, and um, they can definitely talk more details about you and your specific you know, situation, I imagine. Um, but another thing I want to kind of dive into going away from the home environment a little bit is social environments. One thing that I think is, I mean, I know firsthand is um, crucial to happiness and joy in life is going out with your friends and family and enjoying those social events. And um, But when it's in a situation where you're prioritizing nutrition, it definitely can be a little bit difficult to understand how should I approach food? How should I approach alcohol? Um, I would love if you can just share some, shed some light on like, what advice do you guys give members who maybe they have like a big event coming up on Friday night, going out with friends, um, or are just worried about, you know, fitting in alcohol into their diet? Yeah, it's such a good question. And and again, the first thing is what's that individual person's goals, right? What stage are they in their life right now? Are they very, very hyper-focused on hitting a specific goal? you know, like someone, if someone's competing right on the stage and they have to be a certain body fat, that my response to them will be very different than most people. It also depends on your typical lifestyle. Like how often are you going out? You know, being really honest with yourself, is this a special night out that you only do once every few weeks, or are you treating every single weekend night, like a special night out? And then you're eating out twice a weekend, three times a weekend. You have to handle things a little bit differently. So this, if, if you're someone who, like, you know, you're only going out every once in a while, once a month, twice a month, enjoy yourself. You know, don't go crazy overboard. You know, try and choose things that are maybe like the better option in the menu, but you can also have the dessert. Like, don't worry about it so much. Like one meal here and there is not going to be a big deal. But if you're someone, I'd say more normal frequency, like once a week, twice a week, you're going out to eat. I think setting some guidelines for yourself and one I really like is to choose either the appetizer, the drink, or the dessert, right? Those are three areas where people really kind of have extra, uh, extra more calories and really you would need to have, you know, making the choice to not have all of those things, but choose which one of those things. Uh, it can be really, really helpful. So appetizer, drink, or dessert. Um, for looking at menu items, which ones to select, you know, always looking for a higher protein lots of vegetables. You're never going to go wrong with those types of options too. And so again, uh, those are really satisfying, fulfilling. Uh, you can find a really, a lot of really good options there specific to alcohol, you know, it's to each person's decision, you know, what they want to do with that. I do drink alcohol probably about once per week. Sometimes it's more than that. Sometimes it's less than that. So it absolutely can be included depending on what your goals are, but it's just recognizing that the calories from alcohol count. And they're liquid calories, liquid calories. Our bodies don't tend to recognize them as filling you up in any sort of way. And so if you're having a glass of wine, if you're having, you know, any kind of mixed drink, as opposed to, let's say your glass of wine is 150 calories, right? If you had a salad of 150 calories, that's a large volume of food. There's fiber in there. There's water in there. That's a side salad that would actually leave you feeling like, oh, I'm pretty full right now. I'm pretty satisfied. You drink one glass of wine. Not only do you not feel full, but the alcohol also tends to make people feel more hungry. And so there are components that are, you have to consider the calories where the calories do count and also recognize that psychologically, you're not going to feel as full when you drink wine wine, compared to eating a side salad. You're also going to have a desire to eat more food too. Most people experience that. And so you can definitely have it recognize the challenges that are associated with making that choice. The calories do count, unfortunately, still towards your goals and what your total daily uh, what you're t- working towards on a daily basis to hit your macros, hit your calories per day to move towards your goals. So include it here and there, but it's probably the best choice to have all of the time. Yeah, that's great. And I love that you mentioned like just doing it in moderation, you know, and one thing, a little like personal anecdote here, 
when I, so I went from, you know, being in college and consuming alcohol on a quite regular basis to um, when COVID hit, it actually was a pretty good kind of awakening for me of, I didn't find myself missing like the act of actually drinking and like getting drunk, but I missed obviously the social interaction. And now kind of getting back into being social and stuff. One thing that I've noticed, and I actually wear a whoop, which tracks, you know, recovery data and stuff like that. And one thing that I've noticed in my monthly reports is that when I tell whoop that I have had two to three to four alcoholic beverages, my recovery suffers. It goes down, my sleep quality is impacted, and even two drinks can do that. And like you mentioned, can impact nutritional choices. But when I log one drink, my recovery tends to actually go up the next day. Mm. And I noticed this over time and I was like, hmm, well, there's no way that my glass of Pinot Grigio is like helping my nervous system. So what is it? And then I started also logging social fulfillment. And what I found was that that one alcoholic beverage wasn't me sitting and watching TV. It was me celebrating my friend getting a job or it was me catching up with my mom and her sisters. And that is the magic. So I actually shared this on a podcast that I did last week. And I love this idea because it's like, you can still have one drink, you can enjoy it and you can experience the social aspect of like why you're drinking in the first place. Um, and I do, I just love sharing that because it's, that's really what we're after, right? Is this the socialization, not necessarily the drinking, at least it shouldn't be. Alcohol has been an interesting journey for me too. And I've done like completely sober times too. And, um, I've got a great relationship with alcohol that I don't have to do that. But when I do that and I use alternatives, like I like doing things like putting um, seltzer water in a wine glass, because to me, the experience of holding the wine glass is really what I'm looking for. Like that to me is calming and relaxing in that whole, like just taking a moment to slow down, have a conversation with a friend and drink something out of this pretty glass is almost more than the alcohol. And so I see that, I hear that, like the one is probably not impacting your sleep, but you also may not need that one either. It's obviously the social part. That's the, the part that you're enjoying. And there's so many cool non-alcoholic drinks out there now too, that you, I don't know if you did, dove into that at all yet, that many of them are zero calories out there, or maybe they have the calories, but not the alcohol because it's even one alcoholic beverage can impact sleep too, depending on when you're having it, what else you're doing that day. And so even removing it completely is an option. I think a lot of people should consider too, because alcohol is not a nutrient. It's a drug, right? That's something that in nutrition we talk about, because obviously there are other nutrients in alcoholic beverages that people are consuming. It counts towards calories, but it's not a nutrient in the sense that our bodies don't need it, right? There's nothing. We need carbohydrates, fats, protein. We need vitamins and minerals. Those are things that nourish our body. There is nothing about alcohol that nourishes your body. Now there are things in the wine, right? There are antioxidants, other components, but you can get that without the alcohol being in there too. So no, yeah. there. I love that. And when you, when you explain the fact that like you enjoy just like having another drink inside of a wine glass, like somebody who's listening to this might laugh at that and be like, Oh, okay. But don't knock until you try it. I would say, because it, there's a lot that goes on in our subconscious that we don't understand. And you might feel like you're dependent on the alcohol, the one or two glasses before bed, but just try that trick, you know, get your favorite glass and, and have seltzer or, have another beverage that you enjoy. Maybe like, I love like a warm cup of tea before bed personally, um, something like that might still do the trick for you. So great advice there. There's one thing I want to add to that before we move on to And I don't think I've ever once said to myself, I regret not having a drink or the next drink, but I've surely said many times, like, I wish I didn't have any drinks last night. I didn't need it. So that's something I like to remind myself of too. Like I'm always, it always feels better to not choose to drink. Yeah, definitely. And kind of on that topic, one thing that I definitely wrestle with being in my 20s, but I imagine that it can happen carrying all through life too, is kind of like the social judgment that comes along with choosing not to drink or choosing not to, you know, like eat out if you already had your meal preps meal before you went out to make a better choice. Um, is that something that you guys talk to your members about, like kind of navigating those people, those friends that are like, oh, come on, just drink or come on and just have a cheeseburger, like things like that. Yeah. It's amazing how much other people, how much we think other people care. What we do, I think is amazing. Some people do, right. There are some people that are going to push you to you or, or really be like, why aren't you having this pizza? That's so silly and tease you about it. 
But the reality is that most humans are spending so much time thinking about themselves that they actually don't care or notice, you know, like I think those closest to you, family members, that is a problem, but we do tend to focus a lot on worrying about other people's perspective of us choosing not to drink or choosing not to have the cake. Where in reality, when you say, no, thanks, I don't want a cake. They completely forget about that two seconds later. Right. So I think a lot of it is our perception about it. But yeah, people get stressed about that. They don't want to say no to certain things. They get uncomfortable with that. And so we do have conversations with them. Like, what is this? Why is this about this one person that's really stressing you out? Can you have a conversation with that person if there is one individual? And having people really build the mental resilience to be okay with, okay, this is what I'm focused on right now. I need to make those choices for me. And so building up the confidence to say no, how to have those conversations is an important thing we talk to our members about. Yeah, definitely. Just understanding that when you're doing something for you, um, that you have to come first in those situations. And there's always going to be somebody out there who might criticize something that you're doing, whether it's food related or not. And that's just life. Um, But I've definitely learned because that's something that I struggle with tremendously in life is um, worrying about what other people think. And one thing that I'm learning as I'm starting to put myself out there more is, like you said, a lot less people are caring about you and thinking about you than you're creating in your head. Um, So I definitely appreciate that. And I'm sure as I get older and continue to get further away from the social norms of college, that that'll get easier for me. I recommend climbing lots of mountains because when you're on the peak of a mountain, you look out and you're like, you realize how vast the world is. You're like, oh, these silly things in my head are just silly little things. And of course they're important to you, but you just realize that no one else is worried about the things that are constantly swirling through your brain. And that's a, a beautiful thing to re- to release. And it goes a lot with these like nutrition habits, these alcohol habits. Like the reality is no one else cares. Yeah, that's definitely good to know. Meditation has definitely helped me experience similar things as well. Um, so Dr. Bachman, one more kind of topic I want to dive into is macro tracking. Um, I know that tracking macros is a common tool that's used when on a nutritional journey, especially from an educational perspective. I would love if you can just kind of discuss like what the purpose is of tracking macros and calories and how it, you know, can impact somebody's journey. Yeah. So we do. And we have all our members start with tracking macros as a starting point. It's not something we expect people to do forever. It's not a tool that we want people to do forever because The goal of macro tracking is to really increase your awareness around eating, right? If you're tracking everything that you're eating, you know why you are or are not making progress or know where you need to make adjustments, right? You hear people say all the time, like, I'm eating healthy. You know, I don't understand why I'm not losing weight and eating all these fruits and vegetables. But unless they're tracking their food, you don't actually know what's going on. And they realize they start tracking. They're like, oh my goodness, I actually had a lot more snacks than I realized I had. I wasn't even recognizing them or wow, my meals were a lot bigger than I really thought they were. My servings were out of control. And um, one of my favorite things to ask people to do is weigh out a serving of peanut butter and spread that on a slice of bread. You don't get very much peanut butter for all those calories, right? It's really eye-opening. If you haven't ever tracked before, the first time you do stuff like that, you're like, okay, I understand I'm actually eating way more than I thought. And so it's not... So there is a lot of value in the tracking process. You've become very, very aware. It's an educational tool, right? It's not the thing we want you to learn to do forever, but it allows you to pay attention to what you're doing. Data ends arguments too, right? If you're like, I, I am eating healthy. I'm not losing weight. It must be my metabolism or my hormones or all these things are off. Well, if you're not tracking your food and you actually know what you're eating, you don't know if things are off. You're likely eating more than you think. And so it's this tool to create awareness. It allows you to find patterns in what you're doing. It allows you to make sure you're eating the right amount to move you towards your goals. And it gives you data that you know if you're eating a certain amount and you are moving towards your goals and keep eating that amount. But if you are eating a certain amount and you're tracking it regularly and you're not moving towards your goals, okay, it's time to make an adjustment. So it allows you to really to hone in on the amount to be consuming to move towards your weight loss goals, your performance goals, whatever those are. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that it's not necessarily something that's meant to be done forever. And I'm glad that you guys are transparent about that with your members. And I love how much there is to learn from tracking macros. Um, I actually started doing it in undergrad when I had you as a professor in sports nutrition, and we had that assignment to do it for a little while and just kind of see where we're at. And, um, I just loved learning about what is inside of my food and what happens when you do it for a while is you start to learn what four ounces of chicken breast looks like, or 
what 50 calories worth of strawberries looks like. And not that all of these things are crucial, but what that's helped me a lot with um, in seasons of my life where I have been more tracking macros and stuff, similar to you right now, I'm more in that maintenance phase. I'm eating intuitively and eating for my body, but not sticking specifically to numbers. Um, but that being said, when I go out and have dinner and I choose, I try to choose, you know, like a chicken breast and some vegetables and potatoes, I can like roughly estimate in my brain, like, okay, nice. I'm getting like around 30 grams of protein here. And that's super important for me to feel confident in the decision that I make and just knowing that I'm fueling my body and it might sound crazy, but it's kind of fun to like gain those skills and just be able to know. And the other way that it's helped me a lot is knowing if I'm eating enough, like I'm not tracking right now. And one of the reasons why I was tracking was because I wasn't eating enough food when I was training for my half marathon. And um, that's a whole nother conversation. I think a lot of us are underfed, especially people that are, um, fitness enthusiasts. And sometimes like you have to eat a little bit more than you realize you have to eat more protein at a certain meal. Um, so yeah, tracking macros, it's so powerful to just know what you're looking at, you know? Yeah. I love that you mentioned that now you can look at a plate and that's the goal. It's not just to track and then shovel the food in your face. It's like track, look at your plate, learn how much food you should be eating per meals to support your goals. Um, and so it's really a tool to help guide your learning to not have to track forever. We move so far away from intuitively eating in response to hunger and fullness, because there's so many cues even when we're kids to eat when we're not actually hungry or eat on a certain schedule. And so we need a tool like tracking to help us get back to understanding what our body actually needs to be full and to be satisfied and to move towards our goals. And totally agree. I could do a whole podcast on, uh, women and under eating and, and under fueling and what that does to them and the stresses behind that. So I'm glad you're using it, uh, you know, for performance too. I love women that focus on performance and getting stronger and feeling better. Like that is so important. It's not just about weight loss. Nutrition is so much more than that. 100%. I definitely would love to have you back on in the future to dive into more of that women's health aspect. Cause I know that's, um, a, a big passion of yours personally and professionally. So we'll definitely do that. One thing that I also wanted to ask you is kind of what the best way or what good strategies are to track progress along a journey, um, specifically for weight loss. I know a lot of us are focused on the number on the scale and I'm sure weighing yourself somewhat regularly is important, but I'd love if you can just kind of share what your thoughts are on weighing yourself um, during a weight loss journey and potentially some other things that you can also kind of key into to see how your progress is. So progress can be defined in so many different ways. And I think it depends on your individual goals, you know, what you really want to focus on. I would say whatever it is, having something that you're going to consistently measure the same way is the best way to determine progress, right? If you're constantly changing how you're determining whether or not you hit your goals, you're never going to know when you get there. And so having consistency in that. We do have our members weigh daily because there is value in having those data points and getting used to those data points because your body weight changes every single day and understanding why that happens can be really powerful. It takes away the importance of the scale. I feel when people understand that, oh, I just drank more water. Or I had a salty meal. My weight's me up the next day. They understand that over time, but it actually becomes less scary to step on the scale but we don't use those daily weights to track progress. It's changes over time, right? So it's on average, what was your weight this week compared to the average from next week? Because again, it's never about what you're doing on one day. It's progress over time. Um, earlier I mentioned too, you know, how most people don't want to just weigh less than the scale. They actually want to lose body fat. And so if someone has access to a body fat scanner of some, of some sort, and we know there's a lot of you know, they're not hundred percent accurate. There's a lot of inaccuracies depending on so many different things, but if you're weighing yourself the same time of day on the same scale, if you're taking your scans at the same time of day on the same scanner, you can track progress in muscle change over time and body fat over time. So those are really great ways to measure body composition. More importantly though, you know, thinking about why do you want to lose weight is because you want to have more energy. You want to feel more comfortable in your body. You want your clothes to fit better, you know, taking pictures, doing body scans of how you're feeling. How are you sleeping? How are you performing at the gym? All of these other things, which are really probably what you're actually aiming towards. It's not just your weight changing, writing down your goals and what you're aiming towards in that way. And then reflecting regularly and how you're making progress in those things is another great tool. 
Um, I remember when I was really, uh, when I was on my weight loss journey. And so again, after having two kids, I was up, you know, more weight than I wanted to be. Um, I was really bad at seeing how I was changing. And even though the scale was saying certain things, I didn't feel like I was actually making a change. I took videos of myself, just short videos of me just kind of walking around. And I was like, that allowed me to see my progress and how much I had evolved over time. And so I think that's a great thing too, because when you see yourself every day in the mirror, you actually don't recognize how much has changed. And so videos for me was another tool. And I do recommend that people they're like, Oh no, I, you know, I, yeah, I've lost this much weight, but I want to lose more. I'm like, wait, have you actually seen yourself? Because I think you're there. Like it's time to transition to another stage. And so taking videos is another tool I really like to have people add also. That's really great. I love that tip. I've never thought of that before and I could see how that could be very useful. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, self-awareness is huge and just being able to kind of check in with yourself. How am I feeling? How am I doing mentally, physically um, can definitely be very powerful. But yeah, so Dr. Bachman, so much great information from you today. I love that we got to dive into so many awesome topics. I think this is going to be really, really helpful for our listeners. I'd like to kind of just wrap things up with one final question that all of my guests receive here on the podcast. So my podcast, the Goal Set Mindset podcast is centered around setting goals and achieving them with the principles of passion, perseverance, and performance. I would love if you could share a personal goal that you have right now and how you're working towards it. Yeah. So my personal goal right now is to be present. So that's really what I'm working towards is just present in whatever and wherever I am at that moment. Um, I'm doing things like when I go to bed at night, my phone stays in the kitchen. That has vastly improved my health. I'm sleeping better. When I pick my kids up from school after work, I take some deep breaths in the car before I go get them and I'm fully focused on them. And so me, it's just a presence focus wherever I am in that moment away from multitasking, go, go to monotasking one thing at a time. And I found that that's allowing me to have much more value in my life. I feel better. I feel like I'm doing better quality work and I'm having better quality relationships and time with my kids. So that's my focus right now. And I'm going to keep working on that. It's not easy every day. Uh, some days things get busy and I go back into that mindset where I feel frazzled. I'm not there, but presence is my, my word of the day right now. That's amazing. And that's definitely something that I'm striving for right now as well. And there have been seasons where I have felt very present and grounded. Um, and then there are other seasons like I'm in right now where I feel like I'm just trying to multitask too much and do too many things. And, but that's great just to have the self-awareness that that's something that can be improved in your life is really, really special. So thank you for sharing that. So, wow, Dr. Bachman, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I absolutely loved this conversation. I know the listeners are going to get a lot out of this one. I would love if you can just share um, any ways that listeners can reach out to you if they have any questions or um, how they can find out more about Stronger You. Yeah, so Stronger You is Stronger You, the letter U, uh, .com. Lots of information on there, the services we have available for members. And we really specialize in one-on-one coaching. And so if you're ready for accountability to really make change, um, we often use coaches, right? That definitely helps you keep on track and get to your goals faster. Um, we have my name, Dr. Jessica Bachman. So I'm docbach underscore stronger you on Instagram, Jessica Bachman on Facebook. My email is jessica.bachman at sebrands.com. You can reach out any of those, any of those ways. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. I'll be sure to link everything in the description of this episode as well. And thank you so much for your time today. This was really awesome. Thanks, Julie. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. I hope you enjoyed learning about these nutritional strategies that are built to last and feel excited to implement them into your own life. If you're enjoying the show, I would love if you subscribed on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we will be back next week with another episode.